When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everyone, to episode one of the Tomahawk Take podcast, our very first episode. We're uh, really excited about this new adventure to get a podcast going on the site, something we've been working on uh, for a little while now. We had a, a lot of great feedback uh, on social media when we asked about doing a podcast, so it's something that we uh, really been wanting to do, and we're really uh, excited about to talk more Braves baseball with you. Uh, I, I will be your host for today's episode. I am uh, Jake Mastriani, one of the side experts at Tomahawk Take. And joining us was uh, the co-side expert with me, that's Alan Carpenter. Alan? Glad to be here and glad to talk Braves baseball in the offseason. And also joining us is uh, senior contributor uh, Fred Owens. Fred, thanks for joining us. Always my pleasure, guys. Uh, We're just going to jump right into things because we're going to be exactly like Alex Anthopoulos, and we're just going to be very uh, aggressive and and uh, (laughs) fast-paced in this podcast today. Um, and it, it has been a, a fast start for the Braves this offseason and Alex Anthopoulos. I, I think I saw something the other day where there's been 10 free agent signings uh, this offseason and six of them were the Braves, if you count the, the Tyler Flowers and Nick Markakis signings. So uh, the Braves have been all in the news. It's It's been nice to see Braves all over TV channels and radio being talked about. Very exciting time to be a Braves fan and see all these moves. Of course, we had the Tyler Flowers and Nick Marquez re-signings, uh, as I talked about. We've also had the Darren O'Day signing, Chris Martin signing, Will Smith signing, Travis Darno signing. So it's been a lot going on. I didn't miss any, did I? I know there's been a lot. I, I think that was, I think that was all of them uh, so far. Wait, wait, let me check the wires. See if they yeah. the last five minutes. <laughs> exactly. By the by, the time this this airs, uh, there'll probably be another signing going on. But it's been a fast pace for Antopolis this off season, much like it was last season, last off season. Um, I think I saw a, a tweet today where we're at the year anniversary of when he signed Josh Donaldson. Did anybody else see that, or is that? Yeah, uh, we're we're right at that anniversary. Sunday was the anniversary, I believe. Was, the the report I had was the 26th, which is tomorrow, but it was a Monday of Thanksgiving week either way. So we were right at it either way. Yeah, so uh, it, it seems to kind of be uh, the the mo for Antopolis, which uh, I think we're going to talk about a little a uh, bit later. But uh, Alan, I'll start with with you, and specifically uh, looking at the bullpen. What are your thoughts on the bullpen signing so far? Yeah, I'm still looking at all this bullpen acquisitions as a pretty remarkable pattern of behavior that we haven't seen for the Braves before. They've gone out regardless of price, regardless of timing, gotten the guys they wanted, gotten it accomplished before anybody else moved in the market, and it, it's pretty impressive that to see that get done. Will Smith they did not have to have, but yet they went out and bought the highest-priced reliever that was going to be available in the offseason this year. 
that was a timing thing simply because it had to do with the qualifying offer accepted. So that was an exception to the rule of what we've been seeing everywhere else this month so far in that his signing was tied to a specific date. The rest of them have been aggressive moves intended to fill out a bullpen. And in my mind, it's it's a bullpen that's ready to go from day one to be able to do this stupid three-batter minimum rule if it actually does indeed get finalized. Because it, it's going to be a matter of having veterans that, that are there. They're not, there's no Luigi, there's no Ruji among them. There are a couple of firemen. These guys are ready to handle that rule if it comes up. And I think that the Braves certainly have claimed to the strongest bullpen in at least the National League, if not all of baseball now. Yeah, and I kind of I, I agree with that definitely. I think the bullpen is uh, shored up now and, and one of the best. But but you you think it you think about it really the only addition they've made is Will Smith. Everybody else was in that bullpen last year. Now granted that was only for half the season, um, but really all, the only addition that they've made is Smith to the bullpen. Fred, and the same question to you. What what are your thoughts on these bullpen signings so far? And, and what do you read into these these bullpen signings? Well, again, I think that Alan's correct. Alex Antopoulos saw the players he wanted, and he went out and signed them. Joel Sherman made a point, and occasionally Joel Sherman actually hit something right. He he made a point that Will Smith uh, is and, and Yasmani Grandel are one-offs. There's nobody else in the free agent field that's the Yasmani Grandel or a Will Smith. Nobody else. There's no closers out there. There's no top-of-the-line switch-hitting catchers out there. There's just these two guys and everybody else. So when you decide that that's the player you want, you sign him. That's how Grandalba got signed. That's how Smith got signed. They went out and got him. It's the same thing with the Darno signing. Anthopoulos knows Darno. He signed him. He, he traded for him before. So he knows Darno. He remembers him from a kid. He wanted him. He went out there. And later this afternoon, there was a there was a note that the, the Rays had signed Mike Zanino for $4.25 million. And I suspect that that's about what they offered Darno and he and Alex Althopoulos took took him away. Um, so he just he's identified his targets. He wanted Smith, so he signed him. He wanted O'Day back. He got him back. He wanted Martin back. He got him back. He needed a catcher. He after Darno, everybody else is eh, about the same guy. So he wanted Darno. He went out and got him. That's his been hit. You know, that's the guy I want. Let's go get him. I don't care what the market says. If he's what he wants, let's go get it. So that's what he did. And uh, it sort of makes sense. It's, you know, everybody thought that he's this gunslinger kind of general manager. That's not really him. He was forced into that role in Toronto, and he did it fine. But that's not really his heart. His heart is build and sign the right people for the right job and make those 2% improvements along the line. And so far, that's what he's done. And so, Fred, I want to touch on that point again, because I know you did a lot of research and you posted an article uh, earlier this offseason, kind of looking back at the trends for Anthopolis. It, is him being aggressive so early in the offseason, is that something that's typical of him? He's aggressive when he sees the player he wants. In other words, it's not like, oh, well, hey, look, I'm, I'm going to run and get this guy because it's first November. If that's not the player he wants, then he's going to let him sit there. It may be the player he has to take. He said before that he's not trying to win the winter. He's not trying to win the summer. He's going to go out. He's a build-from-the-inside guy, which is why it's so hard for him to give away prospects because he had to give Darno away. He had to give Cindergaard away. He gave away half a dozen prospects that are big names now, and he got back some good names as well. Uh, at the same time, that wasn't his heart. He made the deal. He was forced into the deal because the situation in Toronto 
And all of a sudden, Bautista could hit 50 home runs a year. Who knew? And then they had that screw up with the manager, Farrell, begging to go back to Boston, pleading. And there was this big, big public relations nightmare up there. And the owner said, do something to bring the fans back and we can go do this. And so he went out and did that. But I, he's basically a build from the inside guy. He's much like pattern that uh, John Coppola started here. Let's build that minor league up and get him to the big leagues and use them and then fill in around them. And if you look, that's what he's done. He's got Albies up. He's got Acuna up. Uh, of course, Freddie was there. Uh, he's kept Ender. He's got the pitchers come up now, and he's starting to fill in around them. Josh Donaldson on one side last year, uh, and now he's looking to do that. He brought in Darno to do that, be that catcher and push Flowers to the backup role. I think he's going to go for an outfielder that he knows, and then and I do I do think he's going to get a pitcher. So that's it's, but it's going to be somebody that he knows and believes is the right fit for the kids and the group. Let me throw something else in on this too. When it comes to catchers in particular, it, it really illustrates the point well. Grandall was clearly the number one guy on the free agent market by a large margin. The Braves did an inquiry. They they looked at him. They at least kicked the tires, if not gave him an outright offer. And he went elsewhere. Okay, fine. So the next guy on the list is probably Darno. He overpaid to get him, and he wanted to make sure that he got him and did that regardless of cost, regardless of price. He did that exact same thing for Will Smith. As Fred says, the guys he wants, he goes out and gets. He doesn't give them much of a choice not to sign. He's going to give them enough money to say, okay, I'll sign and I'll sign today. Now he doesn't have to worry about those guys anymore. And the severe drop-off that you've got in the talent uh, pool for catchers and and relievers are going to be felt by other teams. That gives the Braves not only an advantage of who they've got, but they also get an advantage over who everybody else doesn't have. I think that part of the operation here, the reason for him being an attack dog right now is because he needs to get the talent that's available at those positions. When you look at starting pitching, there's several options out there. He does not need to be that aggressive. When it comes to third base, yeah, maybe a little bit more aggressive, but at the same time, you've got people who are making choices for their own lives and their own careers out there, so you can't necessarily coerce Josh Donaldson like you did last year. We'll see how the market develops, but I, I do think that uh, when the time comes, he's going to continue to be aggressive in, in that same vein. And so just to wrap up the bullpen conversation, Alan, I'll ask you first, do you think he's done with the bullpen at this point? And that could be adding or subtracting. I think he's done. I'm going to take him at his, at his word to say that Shane Green's going to be part of it. There's been a lot of speculation. I've made some of it too. It's like, gee, is he really going to be here for the long haul? The theory has always been around here that lately that, well, there's only limited funds, and they've only they've already spent about 120 million. They need to recoup some budget space for some guys. Well, maybe not, because they have been going top dollar for all these guys. And my thought on the pattern that I mentioned earlier is that because they're going for top dollar guys, they're not really worried about the budget. So I'm kind of excited about what to see coming up, because I don't see an end to the spending yet. Yeah, and I was one of those guys because I wrote an article, uh, I think late last week, or I guess maybe over the weekend, about possibly the next moves that Antopolis makes is subtracting some players to free up for other moves. And then I think it was the next day he signed Darno's for, eight, <laughs> for $16 million. So, 
you know, what, what do I know? I, Fred, I, I'll ask you the same question. Do you think the bullpen is, is done at this point? In my heart, I think he'd move Melanson if he could. I, I, he took Melanson's whole contract because it was the only way to get him. Mm-hmm. I, I think if he could flip Melanson, he would. I just don't think there's a place to flip him. And, you know, when you brought in Smith and you've got Green and much to everybody's despair, you know, Luke Jackson really pretty good last year. So, so you, you, you look at the bullpen now and you say, well, Melanson's maybe a sixth or seventh inning guy. Uh, and, and I can live with that. You've got three other guys who can close besides Melanson. All of a sudden, the bullpen is four people deep. And the last time the bullpen was four people deep was 11 and 12 with Kimbrell, Venders, and, and O'Flaherty. So your, your, sort, your bullpen is sort of set up. But I think that if he could find somebody who said, hey, I'll take Melanson and give you this, and it's a good deal, I think he'd do that. But I don't think he's going to hire anybody else, particularly in, the, in that mode. I think the bullpen, as far as set, he's got guys in the minor league. He's got Webb down there, uh, Weigel. Uh, they, they, in short bursts, they throw 95, 96, 97. He's got more kids down there with big, big arms, two-pitch pitchers. And when you look at those guys, uh, those guys are, uh, unless they develop a third pitch, those are bullpen guys. And, you know, he's got a half a dozen of those down there. I traded some away in the simulation, but he's still got a half a dozen up in the minor leagues that he's <laughs> that he can bring up here and fill gaps with. So yeah, I think the bullpen is settled. Barring some kind of deal that I got to have this guy to make that guy go, I think the bullpen's pretty well fixed. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, but I also thought he was done with the bullpen after he signed O'Day. So <laughs> we'll see how that goes. And I, I agree with well, you. I don't, think he's, I don't think there's a limit on his money. I mean, within reason this year. I, Everybody thought that, but he never said that. He spent prudently last year. While all of us were trying to buy this and buy that, he looked up there and said, there's nothing worth it. And he was right. And and this year he's saying, you know, there's something worth it out there. I'm going to buy it. So I don't think, I I doubt that he was ever really hamstrung like everybody uh, blames LMC for that that they're not doing that. Uh, And I, I just... I think, you know, I wouldn't, I set my, my SIM, SIM budget 142, and I think he's probably, he could probably do that if he wanted. So let's move. I know we've talked about it already, but I want to talk about the Darno signing. Fred, I'll start with you, and I, I know you weren't necessarily thrilled about this move, more so, you know, maybe because of the money, but give me your thoughts on the Darno signing and, and why it was or wasn't a great signing for the Braves. Okay, I, I want to make this clear. I'm not, I don't have anything against Travis Darno. When he's healthy, this is a really good catcher. Now, his bat, there was somebody who wrote thing was a big bat. Well, no, it's not a big bat. It's a league average catcher bat with occasional power. He's had power through the minor leagues, but injuries have kept him off the field. And that little 90-game 90, 90 thing in, in Tampa Bay doesn't mean that he's going to come back and, and hit 25 home runs and, and that. But I just think it's a huge overpay for him. He's probably worth four or five a year for a couple because – you don't know how long he's going to be on the field. I don't dislike Darno. I think Mike Fast had something to do with the signing as well, because if you go back two years, Darno was like top five or six in framing, and he's been been a really good framing guy. From my point of view, he blocks really well, which is something we haven't had anybody do for a while. So that's good for me. My problem with him is I, somebody asked me what he's worth. I said, well, you know, Jason Castro is probably the same guy, but Jason Castro's 
not going to be there two years. He's an older guy. He's not going to be there two years. But Jason Castro is probably the same guy. He had the same kind of season last year that Darno did. So Ken Rosenthal said today that GMs today are looking out there and say, well, we can save 100000 here and 200000 there and this and that. And, and Anthopoulos isn't doing that. He says, that's the guy I want. Let's go sign him. If i got to pay him a couple million more, give him a couple million more and get his name on the paper, let's go. Let's do it and move on. Uh, so my problem with Darno is I don't think he's going to stay healthy. Why? Because he never has. McAlpin was on today and said, hey, he's going to catch 130 games this year. No, he's not. He's just not. If he catches 130 games this year, I'll buy everybody a beer. I don't think that's going to happen. If he hits 100 games, yay him. But he's UCL tear, sprained elbow, hyperextended elbow, chill rotator cuff, hip, knee, wrist, concussion, all of those things. There's nothing wrong with those. It's not his fault. But he's the kind of guy that, you know, he, uh, somebody runs near home plate, he gets hurt. So that's my problem with Darno. I'm not against his catching. He's good. His bat's fine for a catcher. It's just I don't think he's going to be on the field long enough. Alan, I'll throw you the same question. Do you kind of agree with those thoughts, or how do you feel about the Darno signing? Yeah, I do. And, uh, and of course, I already noted that uh, he was the, the best one on the board probably after Grandall. He is an above-average fielder for sure, and Fred's right. He's peaked at 112 games in his major league career. That's okay, if we get to 100, I think we we should throw a party uh, and and be happy uh, for what we got there. He's not going to be Brian McCann in his prime. He's not going to be Grandall, but he's going to be what he is, and as long as he we can keep him healthy, so much the better for Atlanta. He will at least help stop the running game of other teams, and that's one thing that the Braves certainly needed the most. Uh, we need somebody to, to slow these guys down, especially uh, the guys in Washington. So I, I think he's going to be very good at that. I think he's going to be an asset to the team so long as he stays on the field. So he's, he overpaid a bit. It was a move that had to happen. But again, I think this is a pattern that says, I've got the money. I'm going to spend it. I'll be able to spend what I need for my needs. So I think that does uh, bode very well going forward to, for the other needs that are necessary. And I wrote on Monday that Darno has to be the primary catcher for the Braves because mainly because you don't you don't sign him to that deal unless he's going to be the primary catcher. So uh, right. I'll, I'll throw I'll throw that out to both of you. Do you agree we're going to see maybe a hundred and and games for him as catcher and, and Flower be more you know once or twice a week? Yeah, he's 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 gonna. Uh, McAlpin said it. I've uh, Bowman said it. I heard D.O.B. or saw D.O.B. say something like that. He's primary catcher, and and Flower is gonna catch a couple times a week. That's the idea. That's the goal. Yeah. Now I can live with Flowers catching a couple of times a week, but again, for to do that, Darno has to stay healthy. Uh, and you know, I'm gonna send Jobu some chicken and a bottle of rum, and maybe that'll help. But uh, yeah, I think he's gonna be the primary catcher. McAlpin said. He's going to catch 120 games. Yeah, if he does that, yay! But I don't think so. Yeah, that would be shocking, but we'd take it for sure. There's there's no reason not to be pleased with this deal because it's the best deal we could get that was south of the 73 million bucks that uh, Sox gave Grandall. It's north of what everybody else is going to get, but hey, they're going to end up with lesser catchers. All if you look at all the free agent catchers that were out there. Almost every single one of them was over the age of 31. Darno's not there yet. 
he's over 30, but he's not over. He's not up in the 33, 34, 35 range of most of these guys that are available. So by all means, it, at least he has the age of durability, even if he doesn't seem to have the body of durability. We'll see how that goes, but at least the Braves are giving it a good shot here. Yeah, and I like the Darno signing. I, I do think he's a good player, but uh, obviously there's always injury concern. It's you know he had a couple of good years in 15, uh, then he was out a couple of years, had a good year in 17, out a couple of years. So with that trend, you know maybe we get one one good year out of him. But I do like the signing. And I agree with both of you. I think it was somebody that Antopoulos targeted, and he went and got him. You know, no matter what the cost, even if you had to overpay him a little bit. So uh, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about what could be next for the Braves. Okay, so let's play a little GM now and, and look towards the future. We talked about the signings already from Antopolis. Uh, so let's kind of guess what's next. You know, just how aggressive is he, is he going to continue to be? Could we be looking at some buy-low options, or is he going to be shopping at the, the top end? You know, we've talked about Antopolis really doesn't have a budget that if he sees a guy he likes, he's going to go get him. Uh, but at the same time, the positions that he's gone after so far are not really the meaty pieces that we're looking for we still have to find an an option at third base starting pitcher i've been pushing the notion that we need to find somebody for the corner outfield as well but that's that may be wishful thinking at this point so alan i'll start with you what do you think uh, is the next move for the braves in anthopolis it's going to be some waiting, I think. I've got to wait for some free agent pitcher to decide that he likes something that he's being offered and signs, and that should establish the market for everybody. I don't think that there's going to be a lot of holes barred here. Now, there are limits. There are practical limits because the Grand Doll signing, for instance, they went to the White Sox. They overpaid for him, and Alex Anthopoulos chose to let that one pass instead of going after Travis Darno. He overpaid for Darno, did not choose to overpay for Grand Doll. So the notion that we're going to go after Garrett Cole, for instance, is probably unfortunately not not going to happen because that those that's in an atmosphere that the Braves simply just don't live in. In the next tier, though, Bumgarner, Wheeler, yeah, I do think that they're a player for those kind of guys. Wheeler or Bumgarner would be my number one and two, not necessarily preferences, but my, my expectations, I guess, is the answer there. And it's going to come down to whoever uh, takes the offer first, I think. At the same time, if one of them signs, I do think there might be some aggression to go out and, and make sure we get the other guy. Is, uh, that is a definite need. The third base market is, is kind of the same thing. I, I'm still sort of holding out the hope that somebody gives a best of final offer to Josh Donaldson. He turns around and says, well, will you match it over here in Atlanta, Alex? And he says yes, and then it's it's a done deal. But I think we're still waiting on markets to develop, and it's down to players' choices now and not Alex's choices. So just a quick question for you, Alan, yes or no. Do you think there'll be another signing before the winter meetings on December 8th? <laughs> Ooh, I'm going to go with no. And the reason is because I I do think these things take some time to develop. 
I don't think it's going to be Scott Boris' time to develop, but somewhere around mid-December, I would expect both third base and the starting pitching to be resolved. If it's before the winter meetings, that's that's a tough call. Uh, so that gives me kind of like a, a, a week of window there between roughly December 8th and 15th for my prediction to come through. But yeah, I, I think it's going to be a little bit more time here. Fred, what's your primary target for the Braves going forward? Well, everybody would like to have, well, not everybody. I would, would like to have Donaldson back. He's the best fit for us, I think. I believe that if he believes Rendon is worth the money, he would give Rendon seven, eight years because Rendon's the kind of player who's going to be the same guy in seven, eight years he is now. He's just not that other guy that, that's going to go out there and fall off a cliff. But I don't think that's going to happen because I don't, I don't think that he, he wants to go there. So I'd like to see Josh back. I would like to remind everybody that there's at least three others out there that would could do the job. The Royals have Hunter Dozier out there, and they're not going anywhere. I know they said they wanted to extend him and that kind of thing, but by the time they're ready, he, he could be gone. So uh, while he's not a great defensive third baseman, we have Ron Washington who can fix about anybody. I mean, uh, we've seen him turn some miracles. I, I do think that you know the Marlins would trade Anderson. Eduardo Escobar is a nice, nice guy. Out there and uh, laying out there in the weeds in Arizona, makes $7 million, hit 22 home runs, plays an okay third base. He's not flashy. He's not a big name. But the point I'm making is, you know, it, it's not free agents and nobody. People make mistakes and say, well, you know, if he don't, he's not going to get Rendon and, and he probably won't get this guy. So it's got to be this guy. Well, no, it doesn't because there are other options. I think, Jacob, it'll make you feel better. I think he's going to get a corner outfielder. I don't think he's sold on Duvall. He's got him there because he brought back Marcakis to make tea in the clubhouse. I, I think that he wants a corner outfielder. I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised to see him do what I did and go get Trey Mancini from Baltimore or pick up one of these Avisel Garcia kind of guy, uh, Corey, Corey Dickerson kind of guy who goes out there is going to play 130 games, hit 20, 25 home runs, catch the ball, because that's Alex's big thing is catch the ball. And Dickerson is his kind of guy, uh, and I don't know that he knows him, but that that's he could go out and easily pick up somebody like that until Pache and Waters and those guys are ready. The pitching thing, I, I, I agree we're not going to probably get Wheeler or Strasburg or Cole, which makes me terribly sad. Uh, but but uh, at the same time, you could go to Arizona and say, okay, let, let me talk to you about Robbie Ray and Escobar as a package. And all of a sudden, uh, your, your, your rotation's a lot deeper. You know, we've got three guys. If Newcomb figures out how to pitch, we've got four. I know you want to, we want a veteran. I want a veteran. I, I really want somebody who sits in there and can say, okay, boys, this is how it's done. I'm fine. So that that's Bumgarner and, and Cole and guys like that or Cole Hamels. They just slide into that spot and sit there and say, I've been here before boys. Don't panic. Okay. This is the way we can do it. Um, so there are out there. I do think he will get one. I don't know that it'll be a free agent, but I think he will do that. And not before the winter meetings. Nobody's going to do anything this week. Nobody's going to do anything next week. So, you know, maybe at the winter meetings, he'll sit down with that new GM at Ball Club X and say, hey, you know, what are you, what are you thinking? He goes, well, I'm thinking I might want to move this guy. And he well, I'm thinking, I'm, well, let's talk about that. You know, we could get a Christmas present. I don't know that there's a big deal out there before Christmas, but I do think there's a big deal out there. I was looking at Robbie Ray, too, and wondering if that might not be the right way to go. I mean, he's not making a lot of money, at least not yet. And he would cost a lot of prospects, no doubt. Could you get him with a third base option? 
that would be a blockbuster deal. There's no doubt about that. But it would be the right deal for the Braves. It would be reasonable cost. Guys who would be under contract for a while. Well, I, I, Ray's free yeah. agent after this year. He's got one year at $10 million and he, then he's free agent. Escobar's oh, got a couple. Thought he had one more. My, my bad. If he's only got one more year, then the cost just came down. Right. <laughs> in terms of prospects. So, but it'd still, it'd still be a blockbuster deal. It'd be the kind of thing that uh, Anthopolis has certainly worked through and, and could do. And I have heard some notions that uh, Arizona is at least open to the idea of moving him. And they should be because with one more year, then uh, what else are you going to do with him? Well, uh, Arizona sort of caught betwixt in between. Uh, yes, they got the Dodgers out there laying on them hard. Padres are coming. And you look around and they traded Grinky, they traded Goldschmidt, and so they're not rebuilding, but I don't, I don't know how they challenge either. So Ray's going to cost you a couple of prospects. I don't know what Escobar would cost you, but uh, certainly they would be worth having. I'm not even, that's not even that I'm recommending it, but that's, that is a way that you could go. I just think that the Arizona guys, Colorado guys, they want a challenge, but I'm not sure they know how, know that they can. And that's the problem. Yeah, and just my thoughts on the whole thing. I think if they're serious about winning a World Series and, and from the what we've seen from Anthopolis, I, I think he definitely is. I, I think they have to get a frontline starter, a third baseman, and, and a corner outfielder. I, I think if you just bring back a veteran pitcher and bring back Josh Donaldson, what have you really done different from the team that went out in the first round last year? So uh, I, I think it's imperative that they get all three. Uh, I'm with I'm with Fred. I think there's more options out there other than Donaldson. In fact, I've kind of conceded the notion that, that Donaldson is going to go elsewhere because I think somebody's going to give him four years, and I don't think the Braves are going to feel comfortable going that far. I, I saw somebody where they said if, if Rendon and Donaldson are going to get the same AAV, then why not sign Rendon? And that makes sense, but I also think Rendon's going to get $30 million a year and Donaldson's going to get 25 but uh, like Fred said earlier, I, I don't think it's out of the question that they could at least entertain the idea of going after Rendon, and I think it would be a, a, a wise decision. As far as free agent pitchers go, I, I think they are going to be playing in that second tier. I think it's going to be Wheeler, it's going to be Mad Bum, it's going to be Cole Hamels, and some brave fans might not like to hear it, but I think Dallas Keuchel is going to be in the pitcher to come back as well. God, I hope not. <laughs> but, <laughs> Everything I, I read and see, it just seems like a lot of the Braves people really liked him, really liked having him. Wouldn't shock me if he comes back. I'm kind of in the same boat, too. I, I don't really want to go down that, that road he, again. He wasn't that much better than Tehran last year. No. no, he wasn't. Throw this out real quick. Uh, you know, We heard a couple weeks ago that Cole Hamels had interest in the Phillies, and the Phillies had interest in Cole Hamels. Hadn't heard anything about that since, have you? They're not going to play on Cole. I think it's Wheeler, uh, Wheeler, Bumgarner, or Hamels uh, for them, and because uh, they're not going to play on Cole, they really, they really can't. I don't think makes sense. But again, uh, who they're on, I don't know. Well, yeah, just to sort of close the loop, if it were my personal preferences, I would try to take Hamels and one of Bumgarner, Wheeler, or Robbie Ray. Do do two of those guys, and then you're you're set up for for playoffs and, and a deep run, perhaps. If you're, if you're going to go for Robbie Ray, and, and I'm not saying no because I like Robbie Ray, but if you're going to go for Robbie Ray, Matt Boyd, Joe Musgrove, Michael Fulmer are out there who are the same guy, more or less. 
I mean, yeah, uh, I'm trying to figure out if Detroit really can uh, do Boyd because I mean they've got nothing. <laughs> they they got to have they got to have somebody to to uh, at least pitch. Maybe it's it's uh, bottom feeders and and they do sell them off, but I I think that's kind of an interesting bit there. Now certainly he's going to cost a lot because he's got a lot more team control though. Sure. I love. I didn't see that you made that move in our simulation for Trey Mancini, but I, I've been all on the Braves either getting him or or Starling Marte this offseason for the outfield. I know uh, Mancini's not the best defender in the outfield, but I think he's under control for three or four more years and five thirty. He's done okay, and and he has 30 home run power. So I would I would love for that to happen. Uh, plus he could spell Freddie Freeman at first base every now and then uh, if he had to. So I, I really like the the Mancini option uh, and hope that they they look there. But yeah, just my personal opinion. I think I think they need to make those three moves if they're serious about winning uh, the World Series next year. And I, and I think they are, and I think they should be. So uh, last thing I want to talk about here is that our fan-sided mock winner meetings that we all three were a part of, and I just want to get your thoughts on it. And if you haven't been following along, make sure you go to the site and, and check out uh, some of Fred's articles on the, the mock winner meetings that took place in fan-sided. Uh, just really interesting to see uh, the value that the fake GMs at, at fan-sided uh, have on certain players. So Fred, I'll start with you. You were the uh, GM for the Braves in our winter meetings. Give me your your overall thoughts on the on how it went. Well, I I enjoy it because I get to talk to all these guys from the other sides and, like you said, find out what they think about their players. I had really good work with Chris up in Toronto Blue Jays, up on Jay from Jay's Journal, the red the guy with the Reds, uh, Indians. Those guys uh, talked and wanted to make deals, and they wanted to work through things, and they wanted to negotiate the Pirates as well. And and that's the whole point of this, is to find out value, where they see value uh, compared to where you see value, and to learn how they, f- how they feel about their teams. And it also gives people who have not read the books or listened to these guys talk an insight on how it's done. So I, I always enjoy doing that. It's one of the, my it's one of my favorite things to do, even though I don't sleep much uh, when it's going on. But, but it's one of my favorite things to do. And sometimes sometimes you do real good, and sometimes you look back and say, "Well, I wish I hadn't done that." But I I think the last two years we've done pretty good out there. Some of the guys, the Phillies this year, they went really really crazy. But I, I think it was fun, and it's worth it's worth doing. I just wish all the teams would jump in and do it, as opposed to leaving four or five teams out there for two or three people to manage. Yeah. What were some of the other moves you made besides Mancini? I didn't get a chance to look at them all, and I, and I briefly read through what you posted I brought it, today. I went I went out and got Roberto Perez uh, from the from the Indians to catch as the as the primary catcher. I flipped Melanson to Houston for Josh Reddick, who had his shoulder operated on the weekend and should be 100% this year. Then the Mancini trade. I flipped at the end of the day. I signed Donaldson for 25 million. I picked up Jordan Lyles for $2 million for one year to, to pitch in the five-hole because once he got out of Pittsburgh, he pitched to like a two ERA. Uh, he's a really fine pitcher when he's got a good catcher in defense. I traded for Joe Musgrove out of Pittsburgh. I tried to get Hanniger out of Seattle, but they didn't really well. He just wanted to talk. He didn't want to trade. So I went to uh, the Blue Jays and got Teoscar Hernandez for uh, Ender Enciarte, and I picked up an A-ball pitcher who was drafted in 2019, the fourth round as well, to fill in. I traded away seven pitchers. I picked up two guys that were 
laying around the teams didn't want a DFA, but they didn't want a didn't want on the roster uh, Jarrell Cotton from Oakland. And then the day the day I picked him up, the Cubs actually did the same thing in the real world. And then Justin Schaefer from the Blue Jays and today Mets, I think, traded for Justin Schaefer. Maybe maybe no, it was Boston traded for Justin Schaefer. So those those guys that were being pushed off the 40-man roster and no place to go. I picked him up for cash considerations or an A-ball pitcher, but that's sort of what it was. I moved in Ciarte. I got Reddick and Mancini and Teoscar Hernandez, who's $575,000 a year, 22 home run bat, plays all three outfield positions. Brought I brought the gang back together in the infield. I got Perez, who was the number two defensive catcher in baseball, and I brought in Joe Musgrave and Jordan Lyles. And uh, hope that uh, Newcomb comes around some point in the year to make that make that deal. So that's where we're at. I didn't touch the bullpen other than take uh, get the, get rid of uh, Melanson and uh, take the guys that they brought on in the real world. Uh, just real quick, I want to ask you what prospects were other teams coming after, and which ones did you trade? You know, everybody wanted to enter NCRT. That was the wow. first thing. The really? uh, the red the Reds on the first day wanted NCRT because they were planning to uh, to go for it and they didn't have a center fielder. Uh, and I held that in abeyance because they have a third baseman, uh, Suarez. Uh, and uh, he, so he was he was like my fourth or fifth third base option. So I held that off. Uh, the Blue Jays wanted Enciarte right away. The Mets wanted him. Those those were the teams that wanted Enciarte. Other than that, really, a couple of them asked, asked stupid questions. What What really surprised me was that I dangled Austin Riley in front of Kansas City and with a with a starting pitcher in front of Kansas City and, and Miami, and uh, they didn't even want to talk about it. I, I tried to get Jock Peterson from the Dodgers, and they were shocked and dismayed that I would they would I would trade with a competitor, and they sent him to the Indians. So it wasn't you know I didn't get a lot of calls on anybody but NCRT essentially. Someone asked if I'd trade Faulty, and I said no, nah, I don't think so unless you got something, and they didn't really have that much. Uh, most of it was. Um, uh, the Phillies going crazy in free agency and me trying to pick my places and then trying to find a deal. Like I tried to deal for Ian Happ because I thought Ian Happ as a replacement for NCRT would give me a switch hitting power bat who could play center field, second base and would make the bench stronger. But uh, the Cubs wanted to trade and, and they wanted to say like And I said, well, no, but let's talk about something else. And they never came back. So the pirates, I talked to the pirates about Gregory Polanco the Jays wanted a couple of my, a couple of minor league pitchers, but he never really got into the which ones. But but you know it was pitching prospects mostly for uh, when I wanted after him. But I didn't get really many calls at all because most people thought I wouldn't trade uh, the big guys, and they were probably right. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, it's interesting that how far Riley's value has has fallen in the eyes of. I've even a lot of Braves fans. Um, I don't think the value fell. I think that the the Marlins folks said specifically they felt that they wouldn't trade Brian Anderson. Now, I sort of understand that, but I look at where they are and I look at where he'll be when they're good. And I think if you put if if you move back two years, that Riley is Anderson more or less. And I would have looked at that and said, well, I'm getting two more years of the same player. Let me see what else I can pick up. But the, but the Marlins didn't want to do that, and the, and the Royals just flat didn't want to trade Dozier. Yeah, that's what I thought, is that the real-life Marlins would have taken that deal, no no doubt. Yeah, I, I, I dangled the starting pitcher and an outfielder and, and Riley and offered them. I said, if you don't like that, talk to me. And they said, no, we're just not going to trade him. 
Okay, mm. that's fair. That's fair. The, these guys are. This, at least they said that. They didn't just go me like uh, some teams did. Yeah. I, I, one of the other outfielders I, I considered is Gregory Polanco. Gregory Polanco doesn't cost much and plays pretty good outfield. And he should be back. He had a shoulder surgery last year, and he was coming back from it. So he should be 100% next year for your for your outfield position. Uh, Polanco wouldn't be a – he's not great, but he would, he's not the best pickup out there, but he's a nice little pickup. And, Alan, I know you were kind of running things. Did you have any <laughs> – have any takeaways or anything from I was running all over creation. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. I, I was, my role was the agent for every free agent. And though we had some rules in place to try and make that at least a little more organized, it seemed like there was an obvious pattern. Teams wanted to go after the big name free agents and they didn't really care what they wanted to, what they had to spend to get them. Uh, so there were definitely some overpays involved. Fred had to get somebody, so he overpaid a little bit for Donaldson, but really it wasn't that egregious. There were there's some others that were on the egregious side, Bumgarner and Wheeler for, for two. Beyond that, once the big-name free agents were there and done, then everybody kind of folded back up into their little cocoons, and, and we were playing with maybe a third of the teams instead of all 30. There were some good trades made. Uh, I think some thoughtful trades made and those who engaged in them, I, I think had a worthwhile exercise. Uh, the free agency stuff I, I think was sort of a necessary evil, but we always get some outliers there, uh, for sure. But some things are pretty close as well. Grandall, for instance, in our simulation got 80 million bucks instead of 73. It's, it's an overpay, but not, not too bad. Yeah. That's my takeaway. It was a, a couple of days of sheer frenzy though. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. It, and I, I kind of wish the off season was like that because it was definitely fast paced. But at the GM and I was trying to to run it for the Padres and the Nationals, I was a bit overwhelmed. Like Fred said, there wasn't much sleep going on past week. But well, when, when you ask about Enciarte, uh, I was trying to at that that was the point I was trying to pull Hanniger because I was going to pull Hanniger and, and then uh, and then flip Primpro. <laughs> But then when I flipped to the Cubs, that was the same thing. What happened out of that was I ended up going back to the Blue Jays for Hernandez once I figured out that I could get along without NCRT, which is something that I really hesitated to do. But um, so many people ask about it, and I tried to find a way, and in the end, I did. Yeah, I had some of the same takeaways. The free agent pitching market, if if it's going to be that aggressive in in real life, then I don't think the Braves are going to be players. Uh, For the Padres, I was trying hard to get one of – Wheeler or Bumgarner, and I got I got outbid uh, for both of them, and I think those were both overpays. But I think my that's probably my biggest takeaway is that teams I saw the Angels, the uh, Yankees, the Phillies, those teams are are very aggressive for starting pitching, and I think that's going to be the case in real life too. I think I think all of those teams are going to pay whatever it, they have to to get the front line starters, and I just think that's a trend that we're going to see this offseason, especially after there was saw, there was uh, an interesting trade. Uh, made between the Yankees and the Indians who sent the Yankees sent, I believe, Andahar and a couple players to the Indians for Kluber. Yeah. I saw and, Clint Frazier in that deal. I think. Yeah. The, Frazier uh, and, and for Kluber. See, and, and that's, that's really a cashman kind of deal because I looked at some numbers today. Somebody said, well, what happens if, if they sign Cole? I said, well, the first thing they got to do is shed about $20 million in salary because they will be over the second, 
second surcharge and in the lose draft pick area. But the move for Kluber, the way they did it, fit him into the into their future without messing with their payroll. And if you put Kluber in behind Tanaka, Paxton, Severino, all of a sudden the Yankees starting rotation looks really nice. Now Kluber's overpriced. It may not be. He may not be the Klubot from two years ago. We don't know. Uh, and that's that's the reason that the Indians aren't going to trade him until the deadline. But it was a nice move from the Yankees' part of view. I thought one of the interesting side moves that most people ignored. Yeah, I saw that move, and I, I liked it because I wanted to go after Kluber for the Padres, and by the time I even thought about it, he had already been traded. But I think I think that's a good move, and you know, Kluber uh, another possibility, you know, for the Braves. But I, I think, like you said, that's going to be a a midseason deal once Kluber kind of shows that he's healthy and back to being Kluber. All right, so we got a couple more minutes here. I just want to wrap things up. And again, if you want to follow along with our the winter meetings that we had at Fanside, go to Tomahawk Take and read some of Fred's articles. And uh, there's articles all across the other sites at Fansided. So really interesting, really fun exercise uh, that, that I enjoyed doing. I think we all did. Um, so, Fred, I'll, I'll shoot it back to you. Do you have any final thoughts here before we get uh, before we wrap it up? Well, I'm, I'm glad to see that the market is, is moving early, even if we're the only ones moving early in the market. And, and the reason I say that is because I think that the people who hang back will jump in and make mistakes. Every year, the market has this guy that the media says, oh, wow, this guy, you've got to go uh, got to go trade for this guy or pay for this guy. Look at how wonderful he is. And then uh, the next year, this guy is just, you know, he's a four starter or something. By moving early, Alex Anthopoulos has said, okay, look. My bullpen is now the best of the National League. I've got a catcher that actually catches the ball and can throw the ball and may actually run into one with a bat now and then. I'm going to find a third baseman. I'm going to find another starter, and then y'all come get me, okay? Because Soroka's got a year under his belt. Faulty's going to be better. Freed's going to be better. If Newcomb can actually stop walking people, he's really a good starter. So all of a sudden, I mean, that's really all that has to happen. Newcomb has to stop walking people and, and find a fifth starter, and that rotation is pretty good. And it's not, and the, the Nationals have problems. You know, they don't have Strasburg yet. They don't have Rendon yet. They may not get Rendon back, uh, and maybe they don't get Strasburg back, although I think he wants to go there. We're in a better shape today than they are. Now, I'm not saying we're going to be in a better shape in three months than they are, but today... Our, our roster looks better, and yeah. I, that to me, that makes me feel good. I think it should make the Braves fans feel good. Yeah, and that was a, a, another thing to take away from this, uh, the mock winter, winter meetings that we did. I, I sat back. I wasn't prepared when the when the winter meetings started, uh, and I missed out on some of those guys in the beginning. And in the end, I just made moves because I felt like I had to made, make moves, and, and they weren't right moves. They weren't good moves, so... I agree with you there. I think it's good to see Antopoulos being aggressive and, and going out and getting who he wants right away and not, not sitting around. So, uh, Alan, we'll, we'll end it with you. What, what other thoughts do you have before we get out of here? I just have this nagging thought that Mitch Hanniger is on the radar. And the reason I say that, the Rays were interested in him last year, no doubt. I think that Seattle is much more interested in trying to move him with two years of control left than they were last year. I think his price has come down. He was injured a bunch of last years. I don't know that that's going to be a factor, but uh, I think he's going to be costly. But if the Braves do decide to go after a quarter outfielder or an, an extra outfielder, period, 
watch out for him because I, th- I think that uh, could be a real possibility. There, there was some interest shown in Marcelo Zuna. Yeah, I, I get that, but I don't think that's going to happen because the years don't make sense. Two years of control for Mitch Hanniger does make sense. If, the, if there's a move to be made there, I, th- I think that he's it. Other than that, yes, there's a ton of starting pitching that is out there and available, whether trade or free agency. I think it's going to be fun to watch the rumors and see how that transpires. And other than that, we're going to get a third baseman. I'm not worried about that. I, I know it's going to happen, just a matter of when and, when and who. But almost for sure, it's either Donaldson or Moustakis, I would think. There are some other ones out there, sure, but i got to think it's one of those two guys. Yeah, and I love all the outfield talk. Both of you are making me feel better on this podcast about getting an outfielder because I've been banging that drum. I, I think it needs to happen in addition to third base and starting pitching. And I think there are a lot of great options out there. So uh, definitely something to keep an eye on. And I, and I do think Antopolis is going to stay aggressive, but I kind of agree with, with both of you. I don't think anything's going to happen before the winter meetings, but I wouldn't hold it or keep it past uh, Antopolis to do something here in the next couple of weeks as, as he seems to be very aggressive with this offseason uh, and seems to be a little more motivated. I don't know if the Nationals winning a World Series had anything to do with that, but uh, definitely seems to be more motivated this offseason. It's a better um, market. It's a better market than last year. Yep. And we're starting to we're starting to see that. And, uh, and again, I think that's why we're also not going to see anything else for a while, because I think we're going to see the, the pitching and third base market kind of take take shape. And we're going to we may have to wait for some of those top names to go before anything else happens but uh been an exciting off season for the braves already and i can't wait to see what else anthopolis has in store so uh, that'll do it for our very first uh episode of the tomahawk take podcast uh, appreciate everybody tuning in to listen stay in touch as we'll be doing this hopefully on a weekly basis going forward and make sure you check out uh, the Tomahawk Take website for mine and, and Alan and Fred's uh, articles as well as the rest of the staff that we have uh, pushing out daily content. So uh, that'll do it. Y'all have a, a good rest of your day and go breaks. The Tomahawk Take podcast is a production of TomahawkTake.com and Fansided LLC. All opinions expressed today are solely those of the contributors. Music used for the podcast today can be found at filmmusic.io. The selections used were Open Those Bright Eyes, White, and Amazing Plan, all by Kevin McLeod, who can be found at incompetech.com. Music was used under the auspices of the Creative Commons license, which can be found at creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 4.0. Thank you for listening today. ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done